Welcome to the mystical world of Catholicism. I'm your host, Lainey Solis, and in this podcast, we'll delve into the mystics of the Catholic Church, such as St. Padre Pio and St. Teresa of Avila. We will dive into the practices and experiences of those who have sought a deeper connection with God through prayer and contemplation. We will also examine the role of mysticism in modern Catholicism and how it can inform our own spiritual journey. Join me as we discover the beauty and depth of mysticism in the Catholic faith. Hello, listeners. It's great to have you here. I posted a question over on Instagram this past week asking y'all what you thought the topic would be for this week. And y'all are really good at guessing. You all guessed correctly. In today's episode, we will begin talking about the Eucharist. This will be a multi-part series as the Eucharist is a mystery. And with all things mystical, it is not an easy one to wrap our minds around or explain. So this week, we are taking it way back. We are going to start in the Old Testament. Yes, the Old Testament. You might be wondering, why not the New Testament? Isn't that where we see any sort of explanation for the Eucharist? Well, not exactly. To understand the New, we have to find its origins in the Old Testament. And that's exactly what we will hopefully accomplish today. We will look at passages from the Old Testament and how they foreshadow the Eucharist in the New Testament. Keep in mind that this series, especially when we're covering the Old Testament and the New Testament, it goes pretty in depth. So this will probably be end up being a two part series as far as just the Old Testament alone. So let's get started. So first of all, what even is the Eucharist and why is it important to Catholicism? The Eucharist is the unleavened bread and wine that is transformed by the grace of God into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ during Mass, which is what a Catholic Church service is called, and is offered as a non-bloody sacrifice through the representation of Christ's singular sacrifice on the cross to God. The word Eucharist comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, and it means thanksgiving. The Eucharist is how we worship and give thanks to God for taking the sins of the world upon himself in Jesus Christ. It is the source and summit of Catholic worship. So you could definitely say it's a pretty big deal for us. But where does this belief come from? If you have ever talked to someone about the Eucharist, or you might be listening right now and have never heard of the Eucharist, you are probably furrowing your brow and giving me a pretty funny look right now. Because let's be honest, this notion of Christ giving me his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the form of bread and wine sounds kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So what is the basis for this belief and what are its origins? Well, let's look at the Old Testament. We are going to focus on four things this episode. The priests, sacrifice, the lamb, and bread in the Old Testament. So first off, 
there were 12 tribes in the Old Testament, and of those 12, the Levites were the priests. They are the ones who served in the temples and offered blood sacrifices. Jesus, however, is from the tribe of Judah. So where does his claim to priesthood come from? It comes from a letter to the Hebrews in chapter 5, verse 5 and 10, when God exalts him, saying, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Christ did not exalt himself. He was exalted to the priesthood by God. We hear this in the Old Testament as well in regards to the priest Melchizedek. Melchizedek precedes the Levites and was appointed by God as a priest. In Psalm chapter 110, verse 4, we see the foreshadowing of Christ's priesthood. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Also in chapter 14, verse 18, it reads, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. Melchizedek offered bread and wine, and in the New Testament, we will see Christ do the same at the Passover meal at the Last Supper. Also of note is that Melchizedek is the king of Salem. Salem would become to be known as Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where Jesus enters to make his kingship known. Priests were the only ones who could perform sacrifices, and for Jews, this was their primary way of worship. There were many types of sacrifice, thanksgiving, atonement, sealing a covenant, collective sacrifices for the nation of Israel, and on and on and on. And many used the sacrifice of animals, while others used grain, wine, or incense. The only place sacrifices could take place was the temple, and they had to follow a very specific format. But as we know, the temple was destroyed, and Malachi prophesies in Malachi 1.11, From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name is great among the nations, and in every place incense is offered to my name, and a pure offering. In a historical reading of this, the Israelites would have been rather confused as Malachi prophesies this at the end of Babylonian captivity and the temple would be burned to the ground. So how are they supposed to be a light to the world and offer sacrifice when they had no temple? This foreshadows that there will not be one singular place or one singular temple of offering, but many places of incense offered in God's name, and that it would be a pure offering. This probably also sounds familiar to you if you're Catholic. In the Mass, the priest says something similar during the third Eucharistic prayer. He says, You never cease to gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. 
Jesus's sacrifice on Calvary was an eternal, perfect sacrifice that would be offered from the rising of the sun to its setting. But how is this made so? We know Christ was instituted by God as high priest so he can offer sacrifices. But how does it translate that Christ is that sacrifice? It centers around the imagery of the lamb. Hello everyone. Really quickly, I just wanted to jump in here and share some fun news with you. The Mystical World of Catholicism is now on Patreon. So if you really enjoy this podcast and want to see it be successful while also getting something else out of it for yourself, please consider supporting the show through Patreon. Currently, I have five different tiers. Mother Teresa, St. Faustina, Padre Pio, Teresa of Avila, and Catherine of Siena. For as little as $3 a month, you can support the podcast. Your exclusives that you get in these tiers vary from exclusive stickers every month, to free merch, to a Mystical World of Catholicism mug, to exclusive episodes. And if you are a Catholic business, I also have a sponsorship tier. If you would like to sponsor one of my episodes and get your business out there in one of my podcasts, I would love, love, love to do that. I truly appreciate any and all support you are able to give. I'm honestly just grateful and excited to have listeners. Patreon helps me out to cover costs of creating the show, supporting the website, and hopefully I can do some even cooler things in the future with the podcast through your support. You can check out all of these tiers in detail at patreon.com slash mystical world of Catholicism. That's patreon.com slash mystical world of Catholicism. Thank you so much. And now let's get back to the show. Lambs were often the victims of sacrifice in Judaism, most notably for Passover, which commemorates God's delivery of his people from slavery in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 6, we see that there are specific requirements for the lamb. It says, it must be a male sheep or goat, one year old and without blemish. Well, Jesus wasn't a year old when he when he died on the cross, but he was a male and he most definitely was without blemish. What's interesting is at the Last Supper, which is their Passover meal, there's no mention of a lamb at the table. And that's because Christ is the Passover lamb. He is the sacrifice that delivers us from the slavery of sin. Receiving the Eucharist also goes back to the Passover meal. The lamb wasn't there just as a sacrificial offering. It would be roasted and eaten by the family. The Passover sacrifice wasn't complete until after the consumption of the flesh of the lamb. Exodus chapter 12, 8 to 10 finishes the ritual by saying, That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, 
along with bitter herbs, and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. So in the same way, Catholics eat of the sacrificial lamb in the Eucharist, and in doing so, partake in a Passover meal and receive grace from God through that participation. Okay, so I hope you're still with me and following all that I've said and that this makes sense so far. So we have Christ instituted as a priest by God, who then can offer sacrifices, and he offers himself as a sacrificial lamb of Passover, so that we may be freed from the slavery of sin. But you might be thinking, how did we get from lamb to the unleavened bread of the Eucharist? Again, let's look at the Old Testament. Most importantly, the manna from heaven in Exodus. Once the Israelites were freed from the slavery of Egypt, they grew weary and hungry in the desert. So God sent them the bread from heaven. Exodus chapter 16 verses 4 to 5 and 13 to 15 say, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, so that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This foreshadows that Jesus is the bread of life as heard in John 6, 35. Right after feeding the 5,000, when the manna from heaven is referenced in John 6, 31, it says our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As, is, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus is telling them in verse 35 that he is the living bread from heaven, and that while the manna was an earthly food that only satisfied for a short time, that the bread Jesus is offering provides eternal life. So this is where the Catholic belief for the Eucharist only begins. For Catholics, the Eucharist provides a close intimacy and union with the mystical body of Christ. And through it, we are able to also offer up our own struggles and sacrifices in union with Christ's sacrifice. For us, the cross and Christ's sacrifice is a call to participation in his love poured out on the cross. And just as the Passover was a perpetual institution of a memorial feast, as seen in Exodus chapter 12, 14, we too hold the Eucharist as a perpetual institution of unleavened bread as a memorial feast that is an offering of Christ's sacrifice to God. It is a representation of that singular sacrifice for all time. 
So in the next episode of this series, we will have part two of the Old Testament and then begin to move into the New Testament and start to connect even more dots from the Old Testament to the New. I'm trying to keep these episodes relatively short. That's why I'm splitting them into different parts because this is a lot of information to take in and I want y'all to have time to digest, process, think, have questions um, as we continue through this series. So I really enjoyed having you here today. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash mystical world of Catholicism. Like, subscribe, share with a friend, give us a review, or follow us on social media at The Mystical Catholic. Thank you so much for listening and may the light and peace of Christ be with you always. Just be